0: In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper.
1: Dr. Robert Clapper is the head of orthopedic surgery at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center.
0: It's Saturday morning and it's time for Dr. Clapper. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. (laughs) This is the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedars-Sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Yes, Doc. I love your show. Thank um, you. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los
2: Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 31 years. What a big day in surgery I had yesterday. Two big hip replacements and four knee replacements. And one of the knee replacements in 1985, this patient had his ACL done, where we used to use in those days staples. Oh, my God, the dreaded staples that I have to deal with in the bone and get around them to be able to do the work I need to do. It was a long day, but it was a beautiful day. And a shout out. To one of the techs I never worked with before. Brand new for me at Cedars. Roberto Padilla went to John Bosco High School. A Weekend Warrior fan. And he was so energetic and so terrific. So I told him I'd give him a shout out on the radio this morning. So thanks for helping yesterday, Roberto. I really appreciate it. And another shout out to the daughter of one of my patients from yesterday who's a big Weekend Warrior fan. She's only 13 years old. Eleni, pleasure to take care of your dad yesterday. And uh, thanks so much to you also for listening. Well, I am so excited for today's show. The sound bites, I just cannot wait to share them with you. And the topic is fascinating to me. Today's topic is about the power of persuasion. And my guest at 815 is a cardiologist, a heart specialist from Cedar sinai Dr. Rico Simonini. His parallel career has been as an actor, so he's a doctor as well as an actor. And how is the world of acting like the world of cardiology, of hearts? And I can't wait to talk to him about that and ask him about that. But I, what I find most interesting about his journey in life is his family, particularly his dad, He ran with some Italian-American mafia guys. And this fact became most significant when his dad needed his life saved from a massive heart attack in the emergency room. It was his son who we're going to talk to today, Rico, who made sure that the ER did the right thing in getting the treatment they needed for his dad to save his life. And if they didn't get that treatment right away, it, it was made very clear that uh, you better not uh, think of coming to work tomorrow. Anyway, I'm going to let him tell the story at eight fifteen. It's just fascinating, but it made me think all week, all week long, uh, about my love for art, sports, and surgery. This power of persuasion that Rico made clear to the emergency room doctors to save his dad's life where in art where in sports where in surgery do we see this power of persuasion well in the italian american kind of way in art larry king the radio host for cnn for so many years 86 years old still alive he was a small-time radio host in the early 60s in miami but his career was launched to the stratosphere by getting Frank Sinatra as his guest one night. This impossible feat happened due to the power of persuasion by a comedian, Jackie Gleason. And in a minute, you're gonna hear Larry King tell this story. Wow. In sports, Tommy Lasorda, LA's greatest Italian American ambassador, used the power of persuasion to propel pitcher oral hersheiser to stardom in 1988 what did tommy lasorda do he changed oral hersheiser's name and started to call him bulldog because lasorda said you pitch like a scared dog i don't like your name you need to change your whole attitude i'm gonna call you bulldog wait till you hear tommy lasorda tell this story and it makes me think sometime. You know, Tommy Lasorda had this gift of power of persuasion. Poor Clayton Kershaw, always being told you can't win the big one because during the playoffs you crack and all the rest of it. You almost wonder if Tommy Lasorda said to him what he told to Oral Hershiser, the power of persuasion. It's fascinating to me and we're going to get into it today. Clappervision One of the surgeries I did earlier in the week was to a young girl, 21 years old, playing basketball. She tore her ACL and she tore her meniscus. But I waited. I let the swelling come down. I let the range of motion return. I waited a good eight weeks for all the other injuries in addition to her ACL to calm down. And then I took her to surgery with the idea that maybe, just maybe, by sitting tight, I can get all the other structures, including her meniscus tear to heal. So all I'll have to do is fix her ACL and not have to put stitches or trim her meniscus. So the clap revision is your meniscus is like a slice of apple pie. If the tear is in the crust of the apple pie, the blood supply is the best in this location. And if you leave it alone in a 21 year old, Maybe you'll get lucky and it will actually heal the tear by itself. Because if you take that patient to surgery right away, you're going to see the tear before it had a chance to heal and have to put stitches in, have to trim it. If the tear is by the tip of the slice of the apple pie, the circulation in this part of the meniscus is not great. And you're you're probably going to need to have to put stitches or trim it. But I'm so delighted because I waited, and guess what I found? It went on to heal. I did not have to do any meniscus surgery while I was fixing her ACL. The clap revision, the slice of apple pie for the meniscus, the book I wrote with Linda Uwe, Heal Your Knees. Get it if you've got a knee issue. I need you to learn so that you can ask your orthopedic surgeon, what kind of tear? Is it vertical? Is it oblique? Is it a horizontal orientation to the tear and where is the tear is it in the crust of the apple pie the red red zone leave it alone maybe it'll heal if it's at the tip of the slice of apple pie the white white zone no good circulation that's a different story you'll understand more about the meniscus i explain it in great detail in the book heal your knees all right let's get right into today's show let's listen to frank sinatra how he grew up why why is he able to have this power of persuasion because when you grow up poor and you make something of yourself the friends you meet along the way become like your family let's get right into this is an interview from the 50s frank sinatra in the height of his fame sits down with walter cronkite let's go to number one
3: it was a semi-slum area uh, it was typical of the middle 20s and the late 20s and through the Depression. And it was pretty rough, but there were they, uh, I've read and been told or, or rather asked questions concerning gang wars and so on and so forth. Well, there weren't gang wars, but there were beefs and there were battles about, about uh, uh, position and who should cross the line into where we lived and cross the line into where they lived, you see.
2: You literally need to make friends with your community because they got to protect you they become like your family become very close to you closer sometimes than even your family number two and i must say there were many times when
3: i had to go on an errand that i skirted certain areas of the town you know because the, the cry went up kill the dago when he comes through the to the corner of town what i do with my life is of my own doing i live it the best way i can uh, I've been criticized for many, many occasions uh, because of uh, <coughs> uh, acquaintances and what have you. <laughs> the mafia. But I don't do those things to have to have anybody follow me to, in doing that same thing is what I mean.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's sometimes what you need to survive. He had a god awful contract with the Tommy Dorsey band where 43 percent of his money that he would make for the rest of his life. He had to give to this Tommy Dorsey because he gave him his start in show business. Well, he got out of that contract using some of those acquaintances. Tommy Dorsey said about Frank Sinatra, he's the most fascinating man in the world, but don't put your hand in the cage. Yeah, you don't mess with Frank Sinatra. Number three, let's listen to that.
3: I would like to be remembered as a man who had... uh... A wonderful time living his life, and who had uh, um, good friends, fine family, and I don't, I don't think I could ask for anything more than that, actually.
2: Look at how he puts the word good friends and good family together, because to Frank Sinatra, in the Italian-American world, it's the same. You gotta hear this story about the start of the career of Larry King, relatable to Frank Sinatra, who became like his family due to Jackie Gleason, the comedian. Let's get started with that interview, number one.
4: So we're at his house one night. <laughs> Jackie Gleason. A few people, and he. the subject of conversation at dinner was before he got drunk, got drunk late every night, so he didn't want to be there late. But early, was fun. He was very bright. Mm-hmm. What in your profession is impossible
0: mm.
2: so larry king telling telling this story visiting with jackie gleason becoming his family his friend sitting with jackie gleason one night number two
4: and we had a doctor there. he said what's what's impossible impossible in medicine and the doctor said this was 1963 about 63 64. Uh, they will never make blood in a lab. <laughs> and they'll do lots of crazy things in life, they will, they'll, be, they'll cure diseases, but they will never go into a laboratory and make blood that you can give to someone. You can give transfusions, you can make plasma from blood, but you'll never make blood. That's God. That's impossible.
2: What's impossible? So he's going around the room. What's impossible in your life? You, doctor. Now he gets to Larry King. What's impossible in your life, you young startup radio host in Miami? Number three.
4: He goes right over to me. What's impossible? I said, well, in addition to my television work, I do a local radio show every night from nine to 12 on WIOD radio. It's a studio show, guests and phone calls. Frank Sinatra's opening at the Fontainebleau next week. I'd say Frank Sinatra, who was the number one star in the world at this time. Frank Sinatra is Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, rolled into one in 1960. You couldn't get bigger. He avoided the press. Frank Sinatra to do my radio show for three hours.
2: <laughs> That's impossible. But he says this to Jackie Gleason, who's part of Sinatra's family, if you will, his friend, number four.
4: During the time he's in Miami, and Jackie, I could still see him. You got him. I said, what? You got him. What night is he dark? I said, they don't work Monday nights. Next Monday, you got him. <laughs> I said, okay, Jackie, I'm going to it. Pal, I said you got him, you got him. So I go back, and that night on the air, I said, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, next Monday night, Frank Sinatra. Wow. Papers are writing up, Frank's not to appear on Larry King. Frank now opens at the Fondable. The station calls me in on Friday and wow. said, listen, we're preparing a big ad for the Miami Herald for Monday morning. Wow, number five. You sure you got him? I just, <laughs> told me you got him. He said, well, we've called the Fondable, a lot left messages, and he hasn't returned any calls, the messages. So we don't know that he's coming, and the ad's going to cost little piece of money. I, I don't know what to tell you. So we said, well, we'll, we'll run the ad. Number six. Uh, maybe I'll call Jackie. I call Jackie Fridays out on the golf course. Gets in later. Yeah, what pal? I said, Well, I just want to check his friend. Did I tell you he's coming? He got mad. said, okay. It's okay, it's
2: okay it's all right.
4: Now it's Monday night. It's five to nine. The whole radio station stayed. The people who worked during the day did not go home, secretaries, anybody, salesmen, because to, to be in Frank Sinatra's presence was unbelievable. You, you couldn't be bigger. I'm standing, it's five to nine, I go on at five after nine, right after the news, till 12.
2: Oh, this is just great, listen to this, number seven.
4: Suddenly this limo comes, pulls him, Frank gets out, and this PR guy gets out with him, Jim, this the last, I think of his last name. Jim comes up the stairs and says, who's Larry King? He says, I don't know how you got him. He says, I get paid not to get him here. Okay. I don't know how you got him. And Frank says, who's Larry King? And we're all standing there. I go, sheepishly. Neat. Okay, let's go, you know, Frank, let's go. We go into the studio.
2: But this is what launches his career. Listen to this, number eight.
4: Good evening. My guest tonight is Frank Sinatra. Why are you here?" Now, a lot of guys would have said, my guest tonight is the famous Frank Sinatra, or he's here at the Fontainebleau, or my old friend Frank Sinatra. None of that. Why are you here? Because the audience has got to wonder how I got him. I don't know how I got him, except what Gleason told me. It? And he says, Frank says, well, five, six years ago, I'm working Ben Maxick's Town & Country Club in New York. Saturday night, closing night, I got a laryngitis.
2: Can't
4: sing. Number nine. We've got a packed house. So I call up my friend Jackie. I said, Jackie, would you come over and do an hour for me? I can't sing. Gleason came over did an hour. I walked him out to his limo when he's leaving. I leaned in. I said, Jackie, I owe you one. <laughs> I check into town to sing here at the Fonville. I get a message to call Gleason. I call up. She answers the phone. I said, Jackie, it's Frank. And all he said was, Frank, this is the one.
2: Oh, can you imagine? The power of persuasion. Because now he's family. Number 10.
4: And from that radio show, at the end of the show, he says, Hey, kid, you're pretty good. Want to come see my show? I said, Shh, sure. He says, okay, I'll leave. Break. Two tickets, two. There'll be a reservation for two tomorrow night. First show, dinner show. Number 11. Front row front table. Oh, my God. Frank Sinatra's on stage. In the middle of his show, he always came out, took a cup of tea, and conversed with the audience. And he says, last night I did, I don't do this, folks, but Jackie Gleason asked me to do this radio show, and I owed him a favor. I didn't. I want to tell you, I had a great time. (laughs) This kid interviewed me, he's a great interviewer. i like to have you meet him. You're going to hear about him.
2: And then... Something that a family member would have happened to them. This is hilarious. Number twelve. Finally,
4: Larry King stand up. Well, it was dessert time. I'm eating Cherry's jubilee. That's the ice cream with cherries and syrup. Um, I stand up. Bang! It hits me. It falls all over me. Cherry jubilees over my face. Over the thing. The girl is sitting there looking. Frank starts to laugh. The entire audience cracks up.
2: And thus was launched his career, the power of persuasion. You can't pick your relatives, but you can pick your friends. Who are you going to call at 2 o'clock in the morning and pick, to pick you up from the airport that you're stranded? It's a beautiful story. Coming up next, we're going to hear this story, the Italian-American style in sports, how Tommy Lasorda describes meeting Mickey Mantle for the first time and changing Oral Hershiser's career due to the power of persuasion. I'm also going to tell you a story from rounding last night and a nurse that I met on the floor while I was making rounds late at night last night. The power of persuasion from a nurse to a patient, one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard happened to me last night at the hospital. Tommy Lasorda and Cedar sinai making rounds last night. That'll be what I'll talk about, tell a story, coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app.
3: And now, the end is near, and so I face the final
2: curtain. Frank Sinatra, he did it my my way, he did it his way. I'll say it clear, Mm. I'll state my case. What a rough upbringing he had. But he made himself into who he imagined he would be. And if you got into his circle, you were protected because he knew how to be tough. The power of persuasion. That's what today's topic is. The number, by the way, is 877-710-ESPN. Where in sports do we see the Italian-American version of the power of persuasion. Well, there's nobody better at representing that than Tommy Lasorda, the Dodger great. He's 92 years old. He's still the most influential Dodger out there. But listen to his character. Listen to where this comes from. He's as tough as Frank Sinatra. You don't mess with him. That confidence... Let's go way back to 1956. Tommy Lasorda signed first in 54 with the Dodgers. But in 56, he was traded, and he's pitching now for a team called the Kansas City Athletics. He's pitching after his stint with the Dodgers for the Kansas City Athletics. Let him tell this story. Let's go to Tommy Lasorda, Mickey Mantle, number one.
5: Lou Boudreau, our manager, he was kind of upset. He said, those Yankees, everybody gets intimidated by the Yankees and also I said, hey, not everybody. I said, they don't intimidate me. I said that organization I came from, the Dodgers, we didn't fear anybody, but we respected everybody. I said you mean that? I said, yeah, so we'll go down and warm up. So he brought me in to the pitch the top of the eighth inning and the first hitter was Joe Collins and I dumped him twice at two knockdown pitches. Got him out. And number two? it was the next hitter. I dumped him twice, got him out. Now (laughs) Billy Martin was the leadoff hitter. I got him twice, and I struck him out to end the inning. Then I come out the top of the ninth, and Hank Bauer was the first hitter. This guy's tough. He had a face that looked like it would hold two days of rain, and he was a Marine, and he was tough. So I had to dump him too. So I dumped him twice and I strike him out. And as they're throwing the ball around the infield, Martin is up on the top of the dugout step screaming at me. I'll get you before the year's out. I'll get you.
2: Yeah, you didn't mess with Billy Martin. He loved to fight and so did Tommy Lasorda. So here comes what's next, number three.
5: I said, hey, banana, banana nose, you don't have to wait. Let's go. So he come out of that dugout, and I went off to that mound, and we had a pretty good fight. And I look over, and Bauer's trying to get at me, and he's throwing guys off him like they're little kids. I say, hey, Bauer, this is between Billy and I, <laughs> I
2: said. Yeah, <laughs> number four.
5: Now, Mantle was going to be the next hitter, and I was really upset. So I'm, going to really, I'm not going to knock him down. I'm going to drill him. So as I'm walking back to the mound, I feel somebody put their arm around me and I looked and it was Mickey Mantle. He said, hey, Tommy, look, those two guys are really struggling. They're both hitting a buck something. He said, they're just frustrated at the moment. They said, but they're good guys. Forget about it. So I said, geez, that Mickey's a pretty good guy, you know? Well. Number five. I threw him a curveball, and he hit it off the left center field fence, standing at second base. He knew he had conned me out of what I was going to do. And I looked at him, I kept looking at him, and finally he broke out and laughed. And <laughs> I said, I knew I should have gotten you. And he laughed. He knew
2: that he talked me out of it. Now listen to this. Because he's thrown at these batters, knocking them down, it's Tommy Lasorda is the reason baseball players, when they go to bat, wear helmets. Listen to this number six.
5: So now we go into Yankee Stadium. Now they're gonna start me. Because of the battle. And that was the first time. First time all of them come at the bat with the helmets on. Hank Bauer was the lead off. Hitter. He had a helmet. They put helmets on. They figured if he's gonna throw at me they better wear helmets you know.
2: What propelled Frank Sinatra to give him that power of persuasion strength was confidence in his own talents. What propels Tommy Lasorda to have that power of persuasion, to help his friends in need comes confidence. So now you can, you can hear the confidence Tommy Lasorda has. Well, when he meets Oral Hershizer, someone who doesn't have confidence in himself, in 1988. Listen to what happens when Tommy Lasorda, using the power of persuasion, meets someone who's fearful, someone who needs to change their attitude and give them strength and adopts them, if you will. Oh, this is fantastic. Let's go to Tommy Lasorda and Oral Hershiser, Number one.
5: When I thought about him when he came here and I saw him pitch and the way he pitched, I thought that he didn't have much inside here. He was a negative pitcher. Every ball he threw, he threw with a negative negative attitude. And then I had that famous one-on-one meeting with him, I told him he he was scared. I didn't like his name. Number two. I think he should be given another name. So I said, he puts yesterday like a scared dog. Yay. So from now on, your name is Bulldog. I'm going to call you Bulldog and you'll be a Bulldog.
2: And you'll act like a Bulldog. And that's what happened. He literally changed what he was going to call Oral hersheiser To get rid of that negative, weak feeling, I'm going to call you bulldog and you're going to act like a bulldog. Well, listen to what happens in 1988 once Tommy Lasorda does that to Oral hersheiser Number three.
5: He, he acted like a bulldog and he changed and pitched like a bulldog. And of course, he broke the record but I never thought it would be broken. Drysdale's 58 and two-thirds inning. It, t- it took the last game of the season for him to do that. But it- I saw it, and I didn't believe it was happening. That's a little better than seven shutouts consecutively. Right.
2: Tough. I think what power of persuasion means is when you get to someone deeply out of love, out of passion, and making a stranger close to you like a family member. It's awesome. Coming up next, I'm gonna tell you a story, making rounds last night, where you see the power of persuasion in medicine. You see it in sports with Tommy Lasorda, you see it in art with Frank Sinatra, Jackie Gleason, And Larry King, in every field, the power of persuasion. Coming up next, we'll get into it in medicine. The number is 877-710-ESPN. We'll do some clap revision as well. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
0: You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN
6: app. Mambo Italiano, eh?
0: Hey, mambo, mambo Italiano, go, go, go! You mixed up Siciliano, all you Calabrese do the mambo like a crazy with a hey, mambo! Don't want a tarantella, eh? Hey, mambo! No
2: more the mozzarella, eh? Hey, mambo! Welcome back, weekend warriors. The great Rosemary Clooney. That's George Clooney's aunt. Who knew she was such a great singer, but she was singing Mambo Italiano, because we're talking about the Italian-American version of the power of persuasion. All of you driving around right now listening to me, and I know how many of you are there, and I thank you for telling your friends, your family, and being the basically the orthopedic surgeon in the family now because you listen to the show, I talked earlier about surgery this week where I fixed a young girl, a basketball player's torn anterior cruciate ligament, but she also tore her meniscus. So you say to yourself, how do I know my meniscus is torn? Well, here's a bit of advice that involves some clapper vision of how you can make your own diagnosis. So if you're sitting right now, I want you to feel your knee, feel your kneecap, and feel how it's kind of like a poker chip feels like an oreo cookie it's shaped like a circle like a clock feel 12 o'clock feel the top of your kneecap feel the sides of your kneecap three o'clock and nine o'clock but now feel six o'clock six o'clock of your kneecap what six o'clock on your kneecap means is that you're actually now right in front of the joint line where the shin bone, the tibia, meets the femur. At 6 o'clock if you now swing your finger to the big toe side or to the little toe side of your knee staying at 6 o'clock and you press you're actually pressing on the top of your tibia, your shin bone. Inside your knee joint. So if you have pain at six o'clock and you swing your finger medially or laterally and it hurts, then you are talking about damage that is inside the knee joint. And if it is an acute injury, you twisted, you fell, you did too much climbing of stairs or running, and that hurts along that medial or lateral joint line at six o'clock then you can be pretty certain you've torn your meniscus but when you tear that meniscus in your 20 it's a very rubbery and elastic cushion the treatment is different than when you're 40 or 50 years old or 60 years old yes you'll get an mri yes you're doctor will say oh you tore your meniscus let's go do surgery i'm gonna tell you no particularly if you're 40 or 50 or 60 years old because even a not so good meniscus it's torn i get it but it's still a cushion and if you can straighten and bend your knee don't touch it don't let them give you a cortisone shot don't let them stick a needle in your knee those symptoms are the equivalent of a blister in your hand hurting. Doesn't make any sense to keep rubbing a blister because it hurts, but it'll become a callus and stop hurting. Be patient, ride a stationary bike, walk in the pool, be conservative, be holistic. That's my advice to you. If your knee is stuck, you can't straighten or bend it, that's a whole different story. And there, whether you're 20 or 50, it doesn't make a difference to me. But if you're 20 and you tore your meniscus, you better do everything you can as a surgeon to put stitches in that meniscus and repair it. If you're 40 or 50, be careful, because if you try to put stitches into it and the tear is not in the correct location, that surgery will fail. You're better off actually having it trimmed. So this is what goes into the judgment of taking a history. How old are you? How did it happen? The physical exam, where's the pain? How do the ligaments feel? What's the range of motion like? Then you have your objective studies of what the MRI looks like. And don't let the damn HMO say you can't have an MRI. You tell them you got a second opinion from Dr. Clapper you make sure they get you an MRI. You don't need dye injected. A regular MRI is just fine, but a plain x-ray don't see the the meniscus. So you make it happen that you get an MRI and try your best to avoid surgery. That makes total sense, doesn't it? And that's coming from me, a busy surgeon. 31 years, 15,000 surgeries. But I'm here to tell you, do everything you can not to have surgery. See if you can heal it. Gotta be patient. As long as you got your range of motion, there'll be success. Today's topic is the power of persuasion. And you know the passion I have for art, for sports, and for my world of surgery. Last night, after I six surgeries, I came home to have dinner with the family because I never really want to miss that. But then I'll go back to the hospital and make rounds. So late last night, I'm making rounds 10 o'clock at night. And I'm in front of the computer at the nursing station because one of my patients is in that nursing station, but the door was open to another patient. I think the patient may have had cancer and probably had started on some chemotherapy which was gonna make that patient nauseous. And I'm at the computer, it's late at night. It's pretty silent at the hospital at 10 o'clock at night. And I'm just typing away on the computer, typing my notes, and I hear coming out of the room, not my patient, another patient, the conversation of this nurse with her patient. The comforting, this is gonna be fine, she said. You're gonna be fine. You can expect to get some nausea. That's why I'm not gonna give you the meal right now because I don't want you to get nauseous and vomit it all up. Later, I'll give you the, the meal. But right now, I'm not going to. You're gonna be fine. The wor- Listening to her use words better than any medicine you could ever give a patient and you could tell this came from her heart. It was awesome. When she left the room, she walked right in front of me and I said to her, I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but you're amazing. And she said, thank you, Dr. Clapper. I said, you are special. You're an angel from above. Being a doctor is great, but there's nothing more powerful in life than being a nurse. There's an award that my wife and I have at Cedars for nursing in honor of my mother. And all the nurses know about it. And I just, I just was overwhelmed by the kindness that this nurse, changing one person's life, a total stranger, it's her patient the power of persuasion that you're gonna be fine. I've been here, I've seen this before. Trust me, hold my hand, we'll get through this together. It's a real blessing when you get to meet an angel in life one day. Really special to see the power of persuasion in medicine. Coming up next, we'll get into more stories about the power of persuasion. You're listening. The number is 877 710 ESPN. I got to give the number out. I forgot. I'm supposed to take phone calls. <laughs> You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.
0: You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar Sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app.
6: You keep saying you've got something for me.
0: Welcome back,
2: Weekend Warriors. Something- That's Nancy Sinatra, Frank Sinatra's daughter. (laughs) Family and friends, where literally his friends became his family. These boots are made for walking. God bless Nancy Sinatra. She's still alive. You're on Sirius Radio. Love it. By the way, later in the show, I'm going to tell you I've discovered something That for any of you who have trouble getting to sleep at night, this is the most delicious thing you could eat. And for me, it makes me go right to sleep. It does involve chocolate. But what kind of chocolate? I'm going to tell you. You take a couple of these in your mouth, made of chocolate, you're going to go to sleep and have the most beautiful dreams you've ever had. I'll tell you where that is, where you can get it, and what it is. Coming up a little bit later, but let's let's do some weekend warrior clapper vision. The phones are all lit up, so let's start. Let's go first to Larry. You're on with Doctor Clapper. How can I help? Hey,
6: Doctor, this is uh, Larry. Hey, I tore my meniscus. I work for a utility company. How old and are you, Larry? I'm 68 now. My torque I is about 60. And where'd you grow up? Uh, in the valley in San Clarita. Really?
2: What did your dad do for a living? He was a computer programmer for rockodyne and that's what he oh. did. And what did you say you did for a living? I was an electrician my whole life. Wow. So. What turned you on to being an electrician and not become what your dad did? <laughs> well, I was good. Electrical class
6: in High school, and uh, my grandfather was an electrician. So oh, that's wow. a brought me on.
2: Wow. Your grandfather was an electrician. That is so cool. Yeah. Was he, was he born in the 1800s? <laughs> you think I'm that old, huh? No, well, 68. I, uh, I, up there. I, I really don't know. He probably yeah. was. He was. I'm telling you that he was. If you're 68... Your grandfather was born in the 1800s. Can you imagine being an electrician in the 1800s? Oh, my God. That's the coolest thing in the world. All right. So did you have an MRI? How do you know you have a torn meniscus? Well, eight years ago, I was walking across the uh, yard, and we got
6: all rocks in the electrical yards because if something goes bad, it diffuses the electricity. But Hmm. uh, I, I... yeah, I'd been an electrician 43 years, wow. and I was walking across the electrical yard, and all of a sudden my leg went out. I had Man. to crawl to the front door. It took me 15 minutes to crawl to the front door to get the phone to uh, call for help. And uh they sent me down to doctors. I worked with a utility company, and they sent me down doctors, and they said, meniscus. But this one doctor told me if you didn't need surgery, don't do it. And Good. I got some those Velcro. I got some Velcro
2: braces, mm-hmm. and they work like a champ. Like well,
0: a couple you know what?
2: From CBS, Larry, this is what I want you to do. You listen mm-hmm. to the show. You listen to the show on Saturdays. As best as I can, yes. I need you to do me a favor. And I'm, I'm more than happy to help you, by the way, but I'd love you to get an MRI of your knee and have the report. And you and I should read it together so I can explain it to you with clap revision. Because what I'm most interested in is going forward. You know what I mean? So that you and I can keep this knee out of trouble. But it all starts with information. I not only, so let me give you a clap revision. Electrically. Think of your knee, your meniscus, like you think about wires. All right. You've got the copper wire and then you've got the insulation around it. There's no big deal in scratching the insulation around the wire cord. You could still turn the light on. It's no big deal. But if the rip and tear is deep enough and it goes through the insulation, and affects the copper wire inside, it goes deeper, then you got a problem with that wire, correct? Yes. So I need to know, I, I understand at 68 your meniscus may be a problem. That's the insulation. What I want to know is did you hurt the copper wire? I need to know if you affected what's known as the articular cartilage. What is the status report of this knee? When you say it gave out on you, Is that a ligament? Is that a meniscus? Is that a doctor just trying to save money and tell you not to have a test? I'm not interested in that either. Information empowers us. So you and I need to figure it out. So I'd love you to get an MRI of the knee so that you, for information reasons, I can guide you into the future. All right. So if they give you a hard time getting the MRI, then you're going to come see me and I'll get you one. No, no, no. That's not why I'm calling. What I'm saying is
6: With those braces on, the velcro braces, my knee's been fine. Then leave it the the hell alone.
2: But it'd be still I still think it would be great to have information so that you can predict what the future's gonna be with that knee. Listen, it's your knee, you get to do whatever you want, and if you feel better, I'm happy. But information empowers us. We don't spend enough time or energy in medicine. That's why the system is broken, in prevention, in learning what the trouble is by you learning what actually happened to your knee will actually allow you to be guided going forward to keep you out of the operating room to keep you from needing surgery i love that you feel better but i still think information empowers us but it's still totally up to you larry that's absolutely right No, you're right we the more so, we know the, the less we worry exactly exactly thing. So that's my advice to you, Larry. There's a book I wrote with Linda Yui, Heal Your Knees, Treat Yourself, Get a Copy. We give the money to the homeless. You should do that. Okay. Thank you, doctor. All right, young man. Do me a favor. I just, just, just did something nice for you. You're a total stranger. Today, I want you to find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Okay. I will, too. Right. All right. We have another caller. You're, God bless you, Larry. Have a good day today. Who is it, Rebecca? Let's talk to RJ, talking about an elbow. RJ, you're on with Dr. Clapper, how can I help?
1: Hi, sir, I had the pleasure of meeting you after one of my brother's hip replacements.
2: Oh, wow, thank you, how's he doing? He's doing great, you've replaced both of his hips at 35 (laughs) years old. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Well, you know, I've done a lot, 500 a year for 31 years, it's 15,000 people running around. It truly is a pleasure. So say hi to your brother for me. How can I help I will you? For sure.
1: Um, I'm actually calling for my wife, who's a hairstylist. And that means,
2: by the way, you know what that means. She's a hairstylist. That means she's a psychiatrist, really.
0: That you know, when they tell
2: her all the time. <laughs> when they sit in that chair, all of a sudden she hears where all the boyfriends and girlfriends are going. It must be. Listen, one day I think they should have a television show. Here's a great idea for those of you in the television business where you take. Someone like me, an orthopedic surgeon and go today for for a day, for a morning, you're going to be the head of a bowling alley. You're going to be a hairdresser. You're going to be what and to just switch occupations with somebody. It would be so much fun just to see what other people... Can you imagine being a hairdresser, what your wife does? Oh, my God. I I couldn't even imagine doing it. (laughs) So what's up with her?
1: Um, Well, lately, she's 40 years old, and she's been doing this for close to 20 years now. So lately, her ligaments are starting to get stiff, and she's starting to feel pain.
0: But her right
1: elbow really started hurting her. um, Is she... she... Is she near you right
2: now? She is actually not. She's actually at a wedding doing hair right now. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you, if she has her arm, she's looking at you, she's facing you, and her palm is up, is it on the thumb side of her elbow or on the pinky or little finger side of her elbow when her palm is up?
1: When her palm is up, I believe it's on the pinky side of her elbow.
2: Okay, so that is not a tennis elbow. That's what's known as a golfer's elbow. And that you have to be really careful because doctors love to give you cortisone shots or well, other injections. Yeah. She went
1: to the a doctor and they gave yeah. her cortisone. Right. Which, and that actually
2: unique. made her feel worse. Correct. And, and right. let me tell you something. The, the ulnar side of the elbow, the little finger side of the elbow, is where the funny bone nerve is, the ulnar nerve, where right. you hit your elbow and it's right underneath the skin. They think they're putting the needle into the tendon and muscle, and many times they actually put the cortisone into the nerve itself, which in the long run is really bad for the nerve. So you're not letting them do any more shots. Thank you very much. Did you get an MRI of this elbow? Yes, she did get an MRI, and we got the findings
1: yesterday. So read me the impression. Okay, um... So the findings are on the extensors.
2: Says, F- findings is too much. Go to the impression. Read further down and you'll see the paragraph impression. Okay. I, she
1: just sent me, because she has them with her, she just sent me the initial page. So maybe I'll have to call back
2: where You'll, call, you'll call back where we can talk about the impression. And yeah. I'd love to actually talk to her as well Perfect. so that I can help her. That way you don't have to give secondhand information. I think that's the best way to do this. So let her finish the wedding either later on uh, in the show or next week. It'll really be my pleasure, RJ. to I really appreciate You and your that. wife. All right, young man. Listen, do me a favor. Find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Will do. Thank you. All right. All right. God bless you. All right, Warriors. Coming up next. Oh, I can't wait to talk about the power of persuasion. Italian-American style. Because at 8.15, my guest is the cardiologist from Cedar sinai the great Dr. Rico Simonini. But well, what does he have in common with Tommy Lasorda and Frank Sinatra? Coming up next, you're going to learn. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.